Stereo. The 99%. Exclusive interviews with emerging artists. We are here with Tangina Stone, a singer, and we're, we're so excited to have you today joining the 99%. Your music has been blowing up on stereo, and you've been in the top 10 numerous times, so it's an absolute honor to speak to you today. How's everything? Everything is great. Thank you guys for having me. <laughs> Tangina, where are you waking up in the world this morning? I'm waking up actually in Washington, D.C. right now. <laughs> Awesome. Do you, is that what mm-hmm. you call home right now? No, I actually live in Brooklyn. Perfect. So <laughs> let's start with Brooklyn. Um, obviously, I, I'm based in LA. Um, I'm from Ireland, and I've seen a few different music scenes in my time. Um, can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about your love for Brooklyn and the music scene there? Because it is, it is still very notorious, the Brooklyn music scene. So yeah, tell us absolutely. a little bit about that. Um, I mean, I love living in Brooklyn. It's, it's, as long as I'm living in New York, it's the, the place that I want to live. I love it music-wise because most of the artists that I admire spent a significant amount of time there. I love Brooklyn um, just because it's like, it's really, there's really a sense of community there amongst artists, you know? There are tons of venues. Like, sometimes there will be a huge gap of time when I'm performing in New York. I don't ever even hit the city. I'm just performing at Brooklyn venues. Um, I feel like the neighborhood specifically that I live in, Bedside, is just full of young creatives. And so it's it's really easy to find people that you can connect with and make music with who are just aligned. We're all just out here trying to make it. So yeah, that, that's that's why I love it. Amazing. And you spoke about a lot of your inspiration come from from that area. Can you speak to that a little bit in terms of like who are you really loving at the moment that's emerging from from New York or Brooklyn? Who am I loving at the moment? Um, let's see, that's emerging. Really just like my friends, I have ton, like all, all of my friends, are most of them are creatives and artists. A lot of the artists that I love are artists that we actually have been featuring in an Airbnb concert series that I, um, in my record label that we have. Um, so artists like Denisha, Dove, Liana Banks, um, they're all based in Brooklyn and I love their music, I love their art. They're, um, are just tons, tons of women right now. Women artists that are coming out of the world that are really amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, it's yeah, it's tons of them, and a lot of them you guys have actually even featured on your platform too. There, I, I see artists from Brooklyn floating around there too. And I love also another one is Chelsea Reject that you guys should probably feature on your platform. She's she's amazing. Yeah. Say that name again for me. Her name is Chelsea Reject. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I think we'll, her music we'll, would do great on your platform. We'll hunt her down and track her down. Um, yeah. So, so you you started your career in in Brooklyn, I'm assuming. I started my career actually in Ohio as a child. So I've been writing songs since I was like five. Um, so I started really really early, um, and was already like recording in studios and stuff by the time I was eleven. Um, wow. Learning how to play instruments and stuff with my grandfather before then. I used to play piano, but I quit because I was always compared to Alicia Keys and I didn't, I wanted to be in my own lane. So I quit piano and started playing guitar and, which, which was, which is weird because I actually love piano now. Um, but yeah, so New York actually, coming to New York was just a part of the, 
the entire process. I've, I've had a plan since elementary school. I was going to move to New York and, and be, be famous, be a big music star. So that was always the plan. And when I was in high school, I just I started saving and like applying for scholarships super early. And I was like, I'll go to college in New York and that'll be my way in to the city, you know? So I did that throughout high school and came to New York to go to college really for just music, but college was the cover, and and it worked out. I went to the new school and graduated from there with a music degree, and it all worked out. <laughs> you spoke about a comparison there, and obviously a comparison to an A-lister like Alicia Keys isn't the worst insult in the world. Um, oh, not at all. No, being compared to Alicia Keys, it's not an insult at all. <laughs> Um, and, and I'm being somewhat sarcastic when I say that, but in terms of, do you find it hard with comparisons within the music industry? Because I think, you know, for, for me, and we'll get to the, to the male and the female dynamics, because I'm a singer-songwriter too, um, yeah. but I think people always look to put you into a box, or he sounds Absolutely. like such and such, or she sounds like Alicia Keys, and as much as they can be huge compliments. Uh, for me, it's no. I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I just have my own voice. So, how do you deal yeah, with sure. with them constant comparisons in the the music well, industry? And well, the constant comparisons can become annoying for me. I think the reason why, even as a child, I already knew I didn't want to be compared to Alicia Keys is because the comparisons were not necessarily because of our music, our styles, our voices. None of that. It was more about just the way we look. And I'm a, I'm a black woman. And so black women in music, we're often not just compared to each other, we're pit against each other. And so that already was something that I understood as a kid. And so I didn't, I didn't want to play into that. So I already started wanting to establish my own lane. Um, and so even now I find it incredibly frustrating to be, now I don't so much like mind comparisons, but I, like I said, I do mind being pit against an artist another artist, another woman in music. I feel like there are so many opportunities for us to build together that are lost because we're constantly put against each other. And I find that very, very frustrating. And I think it's, I think there's a very, it's a very unique experience. It's unique to black women in music as well, because there's just like this, you know, revolving conversation about the fact that like, they only allow one of us to be on top at a time, you know? Um, and and that, that comes into other things, too, with, like, genre. Um, they do like to put us in boxes all the time. And so for me, it's like, even even though my music is definitely alternative and, like, my live performance is rock with my full band, it's still, like, it's still always, I, I already, I know that people are always going to just call me R&B because I'm black, because I'm a black woman. So it's, it's just, like, the, the easy go-to. They just shove me in that box instead of allowing me to, like, play my hand in other, you know, other genres of music, other spaces. And I feel like black artists deserve to take up space in all genres of music and all, all across the charts. And I think it's really important right now that, like, we're reclaiming those spaces. I have this conversation a lot with one of my good friends. His name is LB. He's part of a band called Phony People. And, and, and like, people always ask them, you know, uh, what's your genre? What do you, and, and LB always just answers, do you like it? And he, he literally calls his genre, do you like it? If you like it, that's, that's, that's what it is. I, I, he just, like, poses the question. He doesn't want to be any genre because I think, I think that, like, we just need to be able to take up space everywhere. And 
genres of music that especially were created by black artists, like rock and roll. Um, I think it's important that we take up space there and reclaim that space. That's very powerful, and I appreciate that wisdom. Um, thank you, thank you. When you were starting out in the initial part of your journey, um, what were some of the initial challenges that you faced? And on the flip side of that, you know, like you've worked with amazing talent in your career so far, including Nelly Furtado. Like, how did you mm-hmm. overcome some of them challenges you faced in the early days of your career where maybe you were in your bedroom or you're frustrated or you couldn't get your gig or, you know, you didn't have a management team or you didn't have a social following? How how have you progressed? I think that's the question. I don't think that, I don't think I'll ever be completely out of the red zone of like figuring that out. I don't have all the answers to that. Um, I will say like what, what, what has helped me get here and that was just taking every single opportunity and and always like making sure that I I walked through this industry with integrity at all times, um, never allowing certain things to be compromised, remaining a kind person no matter what because this industry can be super ugly and people can be very nasty to each other, but I'm a kind person. And so like allowing that to never be like taken from me, you know? So just like certain things are just been that I have to carry myself with. And, and I'm a really hardworking person, so in the beginning of my career, I had to play a lot of hole-in-the-wall shows to, to be able to, you know, tour one day. And I knew that. And I'm not the kind of person that has any interest in skipping parts of the process. There are really difficult parts of it, and I'm okay with, with going through those because I, I want to build a career that's lifelong, that really can, like, sustain. So for me, it's not about just, like, oh, let's do the fastest, quickest thing and get ahead and, and, be, and be rich and famous. It's not like that for me. For me, it's like I want to build a career that lasts. I want to have a legacy, you know? So I keep my eyes on that. Yeah. And who are your inspirations? If you were to look at, you know, them lasting careers, because I think there's a very strong thing going on. (laughs) Perfect. There we go. Um, Because I think there's a, a very big debate going on right now about are we actually creating legends as we knew them to be in terms of no you I don't know, think we are we just lost Aretha Franklin and you know and the princes and the George Michaels and the people that were the Whitney Houston the people who were household names that had longevity and had careers that sustained decades yeah. um yeah I think I think popular music in general like the bars is set really low right now I don't think that we're building artists that are going to have legacies. I think that we are we are contributing pieces to a machine that's making these record labels very rich. I don't think that we're I don't I think that when you look at like, you know, um unsigned artists, definitely. We definitely have like a lot of potential. There are gonna be a lot of artists I think will be one day like just legendary and amazing. Um but when I'm looking at just like the the way that popular music right now, when you turn on the radio what you hear, you know, I I don't think that that's what's happening at all. And it's pretty it's pretty shitty because it's like the record labels are investing so much money into this. And a lot of times it's just like pure toxicity that's coming out on the radio. And labels are investing a lot of money into that to, you know, just to continue this cycle. You know, it's like, I don't know. I think it's, it's very discouraging for lots of artists who do want to have, like, their music on the radio, who do want to be that big. Um because there are people who really are approaching this like from a truly like creative stance and then there are people who are just 
putting bullshit out in the atmosphere and know it and can even admit it. Shikashi 69, he did that interview recently and he was he was making a joke about his own line on a song. He's like, why would anyone even listen to that? You know, that Fifi song. He like, he said his own hook. He's like, why would you guys even like listen to it? I don't even know. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know. You see people acknowledging that, but they're still, they're still the ones making all the money. One of the reasons why this like podcast was set up was so that we could share complete honesty like you've just spoken and I, mm-hmm. Again, you're giving you're giving me goosebumps here at stages. So I think <laughs> everything that you're, you're gassing me up. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's uh, no, but this is what people need to hear. I think it's like mm-hmm. for me, starting out as an independent artist who's had a, a, a small amount of success. I think I, I I listened to so many people talk bullshit in the industry for so long, and it wasn't until you had to go through the painful experiences of coming to the realization that it's not a fair industry. It's, you know, it's not based off your talent. Um, And it's not to do with how good your song is. And there's so many different components that come into play. Um, And I think what you're doing is you're speaking truth. And I think that will definitely resonate with our our audience. Well, I hope it does anyway. Um, (laughs) In your opinion, um, Tangina, what is it like being an independent artist and, you know, in this current landscape, from your point of view, what are the benefits and what are the drawbacks? Because people constantly ask me, you know, or, or they tell me, oh, I want to be signed to a major label. And there is definitely pluses, but from your opinion, what's it like being an artist, an independent artist right now? What are the benefits? What are the drawbacks? The benefits of it, I think, are literally just being free, like literally just just being free to make your decisions. I I remember when I went on tour to Japan, I had this long conversation with a friend of mine who is signed to a major label. She's just like, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. And it, she feels very restricted um, and that there are things that she can't do. And for me, um, being an independent artist, there's nothing that I can't do. There's no opportunity that I can't take advantage of. Um, and so I constantly feel empowered and free. And so there are like, I don't, I don't even want to call it a downside anymore. I used to view it as a downside that, like, I didn't have um, the huge machine behind me that lots of artists who blow up do. But I feel like, in retrospect, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the way that I'm doing it because I know that when I reach, you know, um, the levels of success that I plan to reach in my career, that I'm, A, not going to owe people. B, it's just it's going to mean a lot more to me. It's going to mean a lot more to me that I did it this way, that I've learned every lesson I've learned every like side of this industry at this point even you know with my with my album I remember um when I started working on my album Elevate um I didn't have like the budget to pay someone to engineer in my, my entire project for me and so I taught myself how to engineer instead and I engineered my album um like everything except for like two songs on the project I engineered myself and so I had that skill now, and I feel super empowered. And now I don't ever have to ask anyone to engineer my music again. Now I don't have to, you know, be at anyone's beck and call for things. I'm, it's completely all in, in, in my control, you know? So, yeah, I think there, I don't, I don't really view, I don't see, like, cons to the situation anymore with being indie. I don't, I don't see cons. It's, it's just, I don't know. I have all the things that I once viewed as negative. I've watched friends be a part of this like cycle and get completely burned and 
and lose like years of their of their lives and careers, you know, with music shelves that they can't put out. Um, and I don't have to worry about any of that. As you said, we're we're a huge fan here of you on stereo, and you've graced us in the top ten uh, several times. When someone jumps into a rideshare vehicle and you know they hear your music for the first time, how do you want them to feel? Um, I don't really have. I my music is interpreted differently by every, by different people. I don't really have. There's not. I, I want them to feel elevated when listening to Elevate. <laughs> like, I want them to feel um, empowered, but... Elevated. Really, yeah, elevated. Great Elevated. Word. Yeah, but I really do... Um, I want people to take from my music what they take from it. Like, the, the songs are, are really, really honest and personal, and I talk about things that were really hard for me to talk about that I know are sometimes hard for others to talk about. And so I want them to feel at least you know, like there's someone in the world who, who gets that. I can't wait to listen to the record. And um, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Of I think course, your, honesty you is, your honesty is refreshing. Um, tell us where people can find you, website, Instagram, that type of thing. My Instagram is at stoneblue, S-T-O-N-E-B-L-U. Everything else is just Tangina Stone, my name, T-A-N-G-I-N-A-S-T-O-N-E. Perfect. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to uh, today's 99%. Uh, we're so excited um, about your releases and what you've coming up, Tangina. And thank you so much for being with us today.